Welcome to TWW, The Weekly Wheel, where each week the Dharma Wheel rolls and delivers you new content available anywhere at any time in your everyday life. We present a mindfulness service, which has three components. First, meditation. And then we meditate with sound through chanting. You can have your mind wander when you sit in silence, but it's very difficult to wander as you chant. You need to focus on the next character, on your breathing, on the next line. And if you pat yourself on the back too much or become too self-aware, you'll miss a line. And then lastly, we have something called active listening, where we lean into and really listen to the Dharma talk given by our senseis. You could think of silent meditation and sound meditation through chanting as preparatory to get our minds focused and open and clear so we can really listen clearly and really take in the Dharma. And in a sense, it perfumes the mind. The mind is slowly changed as it hears new points of view, new perspectives, and new approaches to dealing with life. It's set up much like an in-person service. It's led, moderated by multiple voices. So you get a variety of opinions, a variety of, of perspectives as you go on your journey. So I hope you will join us now for this mindfulness service presented to you by the people at The Weekly Wheel and the Orange County Buddhist Church. Thank you so much. We will now have seated meditation. Take a moment to see that your back is straight and centered with your shoulders relaxed. If you're in a chair, it's best to sit forward slightly rather than leaning on the chair back and keep your feet flat on the floor. Try keeping your eyes half open, resting the gaze gently downward, without focusing on anything in particular. In the same way, be open to whatever sounds are coming into your ears, whether from inside the room or outdoors. We are not trying to isolate ourselves from the world around us, but rather feel that we're part of that world. If you like, you may count your breaths from one to ten. Inhale deeply, let it all out. Try slowing down your rate of breathing relative to what it would be at other times. We are not trying to think about anything in particular or visualize anything. We simply watch our thoughts come and go.
Please put your hands together in gasho. Bow. Namo Amidabutsu. Namo Amidabutsu. Namo Amidabutsu. Namandabutsu. 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 You may stretch your legs and then please stand. We will now have our standing meditation session. Your upper body is in the same position as for sitting meditation. Straight head and spine, shoulders back, eyes half open, hands comfortably positioned in front. Legs should be shoulder width apart with knees slightly bent. Again, rock forward and backward and side to side to find your center. Standing meditation reminds us to take our meditation practice out into the world, waiting in line at the store, being stuck in traffic, going through TSA security at the airport. Over time, meditation becomes a practice for the body and mind that can be recalled when needed most in situations that may be merely annoying, perhaps frustrating, or even stressful. We will begin at the sound of the bell.
Please put your hands together in gasho and bow. Namo Amida Butz, Namo Amida Butz, Namo Amida Butz, Namo Amida Butz, Namo Amida Butz. Return to your seat or cushion. Sitting in this way, we might wonder what purpose we are achieving. Actually, there is no specific purpose. I think it's really to make us aware of what sitting is, what breathing is, standing is. What are these simple activities that we do most of the time without thinking about them at all? We'll begin our second sitting at the bell.
Please put your hands together in Gasho. Bow. Namo Amidabutsu. Namo Amidabutsu. Namo Amidabutsu. Namandabutsu. 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 We will begin uh, sutra chanting. Sutra chanting is actually a portion of a sutra that we will chant. Uh, most sutras are far too long to be able to chant in one sitting. So for us, uh, we're usually chanting a verse out of a longer narrative or prose. And that's why uh, each line consists of perhaps four or five or seven characters. When we chant, we read from left to right, just like in English, and we move down the first column, and then we move to the second column, and so on. Open circles uh, represent bells uh, for the chant leader to ring. So we always begin a sutra chant with two bells. Whenever we change a section, we use one bell to kind of signal that we're changing uh, from one section to another. And then when you end a sutra chant, you always end with three bells. Each syllable here is written in Romanized characters, English characters. And each syllable here represents a kanji, a Chinese character. And it's written phonetically. It's the sound of the character. The vowels have the same pronunciation independent of location or their neighbor. So this is different from English. And the vowel sounds, uh, I've been told, resemble those in Spanish. So we have A, E, I, O, and U. And they're pronounced A, E, E, O, and U. And then uh, you'll see uh, italicized lines. Uh, those are leader lines that I chant alone. And you will also see underlines under some of the characters. And that means that rather than each character getting a single beat, an underlying character will get a beat and a half. And to kind of make up that little extra time, the next character in line will only get a half beat. And what you do is you don't really concern yourself too much about the meaning of what's being chanted. This isn't flashcards. We're not trying to learn something. This is a ritual. And so we chant together as a feeling of oneness. Don't worry too much about how you're doing. Be aware and mindful of each character. Uh, this is a form of meditation. Uh, rather than silent meditation, we're meditating through sound. So, you know, you see the character, you say it, you forget about it, you move on, and you say the next character. And over time, it becomes effortless, and you'll begin to memorize it uh, without realizing it. We will now chant the Junidai found on page 49. Junidai or 12 verses of reverence, originated in the Mahayana tradition of India during the time of the Pure Land Master Nagarjuna, around 150 CE. The verses were later translated into the Chinese text that we chant today. Like the larger sutra and the Amida sutra, the text of Junidai describes the spiritual qualities of Amida and the Pure Land using poetic language. Please read the translation of the Junidai found on page 51, which describes in detail what the 12 verses of reverence actually means. We will now chant the Junidai. Amida 
Oh. 
The Bright Side of Negation I've been reading a new book titled Secularizing Buddhism, New Perspectives on a Dynamic Tradition, edited by Richard K. Payne. I took a course from Dr. Payne while studying at the Institute of Buddhist Studies. He was also my thesis advisor. When a book has an editor rather than an author, it usually means that it contains a collection of essays by various scholars. One of the 13 essays included in this book discusses the differences between how pre-modern and modern people experience the world. One of these essays is titled Buddhism and Secular Subjectivities, Individualism and Fragmentation in the Mirrors of Secularism by David L. McMahon. It is a mouthful, but it was very interesting. McMahon explains that there are two approaches to life the first from a more scientific and rational perspective, while the other is more experiential and intimate. This first orientation he describes as buffered, the second as porous. These two are contrasted in the following two examples. The first illustrates a buffered observation, while the latter a porous experience. Consider two works of art featuring mirrors, the first by Thomas Woolridge, born 1700, died 1766, a British painter. 
is titled A Portrait of a Young Man Looking in a Mirror from 1751. It can be viewed as an apt emblem of the European Enlightenment, whose philosophers promised to develop the methods that would hold man and nature up to the mirror of empirical investigation and rational analysis, rendering clear and distinct representations of them. Nothing else appears in the work but the young man and his mirror and his reflection. Another quite different mirror-themed work is a series conceived in 1965 by the Japanese artist Yayoi Kusama, born 1929, called the Infinity Mirror Room. In one, a viewer stands in a room whose walls are mirrors reflecting uncountable number of lights receding in all directions. Although a smallish room, it seems enormous, indeed infinite. It includes multiple images of the viewer herself. McMahon asserts that modern people tend to be much more buffered. Rather than experiencing meaning when we are included, we create meaning for ourselves as individuals, as objective external observers. We create our own reality daily by observations we make and actions we take. In contrast, pre-modern people are described as being very porous, porous in the sense of being intimate with or at one with our surroundings. Who we are and our sense of self is derived by the groups in which we belong. Membership ultimately defines us. Our interactions with others have a profound effect upon us. It is the activities that we partake in that orient our lives. Individuality is prized by moderns, but it also comes at a very high price, and we often have to overestimate our abilities in order to maintain this perceived state of autonomy. This can lead to a sense of alienation and disconnectedness. I have found this to be true in my life. This is where Buddhism can be very helpful. From a Buddhist perspective, it is this over-reliance on the buffered self that causes our suffering. Negation of the buffered self may not be appealing to many modern people. It can seem like some sort of a defeat or failure on our part, but it is not. This is because it is replaced by a porous self that is open to new experiences through increased intimacy, not just with others, but with all of life. Thus, it might be much more effective to promote the more positive message of a self that is imbued with true reality. This might be much more acceptable to modern people if it was presented in this way. In other words, we might be better off accentuating the positive rather than the negative. This can all be distilled in the following quotation. Today is a beautiful day of opportunity. I'm exactly where I need to be. I open myself to the universe and trust in the unfolding of my life. I heard this mantra recently, repeated over and over again in a short YouTube meditation called Guided Morning Meditation, 10 Minutes to Start Every Day Perfectly. It is when the individual self is challenged that the universal self can be experienced, perhaps for the first time. It is within Buddhist practice that place and activity begin to take over, and the sound of Namo Amidabutsu can begin to resonate within a heart that is no longer buffered. Instead, it is now porous and experiencing the bright side of negation. It is this transformation of buffered to porous that Buddhist practice makes possible and allows me to trust in the unfolding of my life. Namo Amidabuts, Namo Amidabuts, Namo Amidabuts, Namo Thank you very much.
Today's program was presented and produced by the Buddhist Education Center of Orange County Buddhist Church. This podcast is copyrighted 2022 by the Orange County Buddhist Church, Anaheim, California, all rights reserved.